Romans 8, 31 through 39. The title of the sermon today is Because He Loves You. Because He Loves You. Last week we were in three verses, but really two verses. Let me read those quickly for you. Romans 8, 28, starting in 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Those who love God because He first loved them, and they're called according to His purposes for His glory. And then last week we looked at our glorious golden chain that I have for you here with five links in it. And we walk through 28, or 29 and 30. And in our chain here, beginning in verse 29, for those whom He foreknew, we talked about, to know intimately before the foundations of the world, doesn't learn anything about you, He knows everything about you, which is really remarkable that He would love you knowing everything about you. I love you, but that's true of you and me. Those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. And we said, whoa, that is a difficult word, but it's in the Scripture. So we're not going to try to jump over it or redefine it. What we're going to do is understand that there is God's sovereignty and human choice. And both are in the Scriptures, even if we cannot understand them. But this chain is unbreakable. And those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And then verse 30, and those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Unbreakable chain. Praise be to God. And this chain holds what I I said before in Romans 8, especially verse 28, that God could work all things for your good and for His glory. This chain, this eternal chain here, is linked to what we're going to study today. Let me read through the text. We're going to work through it verse by verse. And my hope is that you will be greatly encouraged and you will see God's love for you today. Beginning in verse 31, Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul ended with verse 30 there. Those whom he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. 
Then he asks a question as soon as he finishes that up. If this unbreakable chain exists for those who are in Christ, what are we supposed to say to these things? Verse 31. What, shall, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Like you get that? Answer? Nobody. Like, they might think they're against you and going to be able to do something. But if God is for you, then no one can be against you. He's going to unpack this more for us. How do I know that God's for me, Paul? I know you, you said He is, but how do I know? Well, verse 32. This same God, the one who's for you, verse 32, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. I'm telling you, I love you guys. I'm not giving up my son for you. Or my daughters. I'm not giving them up for you. I don't have that kind of love in me for you. I don't. I don't think you would do it for me either. What could be more precious to God than His Son. That's the, this is Paul's point. Look. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Is Jesus above all things? Yes. God loves Jesus more than all things. So of course, if He gives you Jesus, He's going to give you everything. That's His argument. God loves you that He would give up for you the most precious thing, His Son, so that He could save you and adopt you in so you could be a son and daughter. So here's what happens though. Paul's making this argument, but there's charges being brought up against God's elect, those who come to faith in Christ. There's some charges saying, oh, how could God really love you and give up His Son for you? No way! how nasty you are, how dirty you are, the sins that you commit. No way God would give up His Son for you. That's not going to happen. Not if God knows everything about you. You're in the courtroom here, and somebody's coming in the door, and they're saying, I've got more charges against them. There's more things that you don't know about. I've got more. Verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Here's why. Here's why the charges don't work. It is God who justifies. When God justifies, nothing else matters. If it's something that, if it's on you, well, yeah, there might be some more things that were brought up that you go, oh man, I didn't know that was going to come up. But it's God who justifies. And if it's, God, if it's God who justifies, then nothing can come up. See, this is Satan attacking you. Telling you. Condemning you. Bringing up charges against you. This is also your own mind and heart. You think back to the, to the things that you've done, either before you were a Christian or sometimes even after you were a Christian, you go, uh, I don't think so. 
The charges are too much. That's even you condemning yourself. Guess what? You don't get to either. Satan doesn't get to. The world doesn't get to. You don't get to. Why? Because it's God who justifies. Who's going to, verse 34, who is it, who is to condemn? Who gets to come in and condemn you and say you're not worthy of the kingdom? Here's the catch, folks. There's a great song, Embracing Accusation by Shane and Shane. If you haven't heard it, I'd encourage you to listen to it. And the whole first part of the song, they're singing about the condemnation that all people fall under, part of what we've seen in Romans. And that we are guilty. And what they're saying is that Satan is actually preaching and singing over God's children. And what they're saying is he's actually singing some truth. You know that's how he works, right? He'll bring some truth. So here's what he's singing and he's saying, You're cursed. You've gone astray. There's no hope for you. You're an enemy of God. You have no chance. And there's a beautiful line in the song. And he's singing that verse, but he forgot the refrain. Satan will conveniently forget the refrain. The refrain is Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Who's going to condemn you? Who's going to bring charges against you? What Paul's saying is, who's going to do that? If it's God who justifies, bring it on. Well, there's something new that came. God knew you before the foundations of the world. He knew everything about you. You can't bring any new stuff. It doesn't matter. Because it's tied to the righteousness of Christ. Your righteousness is tied to the righteousness of Christ. That's why Paul brings it up. Look what he says. It is God who justifies, verse 34, who is, who is to condemn? He doesn't say, Billy is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and is at the right hand of God. No, that's not me. That's not any of you. His argument isn't based upon your merit. Paul's argument is based upon Jesus. Christ Jesus is the one who died. That's why he's perfect. He's the perfect sacrifice. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he didn't just die and stay dead, because that means Satan would have won. Death would win. Sin would win, but he doesn't stay dead. Look, more than that, who was raised? But even more than that, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Right there. All the time. This is one of ours. She's one of ours. He's one of ours. One of those, God, Father, that you've given me before the foundations of the world that I came to pursue and purchase on the cross. I died for them and I rose for them. They are ours. Nobody can come into that courtroom and say, I've got more charges, or I condemn them. God says, I knew it all, and I sent my son for them. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. So when there's that kind of love, it flows into what he says in verse 35. If there's that kind of love, well, who shall separate us from the love of Christ then? Shall tribulation like trials or sickness or hard times, distress, stressful circumstances that you're going through, difficulties you face in your life, is that going to separate you from God's love? How about persecution? Those who are trying to hurt you or belittle you or quiet you or imprison you for the sake of the gospel, are they going to be able to separate you from His love? How about famine, starvation, or being without in your weakness? Does that separate you from His love? Nakedness, being without clothing or material goods, embarrassment, shame, does any of that separate you from the love of God? Well, that's what Paul's asking. 
How about danger? How about peril, dangerous situations, times, feeling of hopelessness? I feel hopeless. Is that separating me from the love of Christ? How about the sword? Battles or even death. Oh man, maybe there's something in that list that separates us. He doesn't answer right away. He goes to verse 36, as it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That's a quotation from the Old Testament. Psalm 44, 17 through 26. They're in your notes here. The psalmist here is writing. And yes, the nation of Israel has disobeyed their God, but here's what they say, starting in verse 17, Psalm 44. All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, talking to God here, and we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. You ever felt that way before? If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not discover, God discover this? We're, we're trying to be faithful. Wouldn't you know it, God, if we turned our back? Wouldn't you know that? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Now here comes our quotation. Yet for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Everyone to say this? For, Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? What is going on in our lives? These trials persecutions. Christians are being killed. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Ever feel like God's hiding His face from you? And you're, you're here with the psalmist. You're saying, ah, why do you forget our affliction and oppression? Verse 25, for our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. God, what will you do? Will you help us? Answer, Romans 8. Answer, Romans 8. Yes, you will face tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword. Well, that doesn't sound good. God, it doesn't sound like you're helping us. Here's the point. Verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. It doesn't mean those things aren't going to happen, but you will conquer them in Christ. A great translation of this in your notes you'll see. The NASB version says, you will overwhelmingly conquer these things. Overwhelmingly conquer. Not like sneaking by with it. In Christ, we overwhelmingly conquer all of these things because we are with Him forever and He will make all things right. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Do you see it? Why does he do it? Why do you you get to conquer? Because he's loved you. Now Paul's going to show you again in case you missed it. For I am sure, certain, sure, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come. You ever worry about things to come? It won't separate you from his love. Nor powers, nor height, nor depth, in case that didn't get it for you, nor anything else in all of creation. There's nothing else out there. Just so you know, nothing else that exists will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to understand why God would do all of this. 
because he loves you. Let me read a few verses for you. They're not in your notes, but they might be on the screen. 1 John 4, 8 through 19. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. You want to know if God loves you? Look to the cross and look to the fact that he would give his spirit to you. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in his love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. You battle fear? Shouldn't. Nothing can separate you from him. There's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. A couple more verses for you. Isaiah 54.10 For the mountains may depart. Listen to this. The mountains may depart and the hills be removed. But my, my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Romans 5.8 But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ, what? died for us. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 John 3.1, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that they did not know him. Two more for you. Ephesians 2, 4 through 8. But God, just before that part, it talks about us being children of wrath and dead. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up and raised us up with him and seated us in him, with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Last one for you, and I want you to think on this one. You've heard, maybe some of you heard me say it a few times. Zephaniah 3.17. Picture this. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love he will exult over you with loud singing. Can you imagine the creator of the universe who knows everything about you and has justified you? He says, no condemnation, no separation. It can't happen. And even if somebody tries to bring up the charges, I can't hear them because I'm too busy singing over those that I love. 
He sings over you and He's been doing it since eternity past and He won't stop singing over you. Do you feel His love? Why does He do all of it? Because He loves you. Let's pray together. God, we're overwhelmed by Your love. We're overwhelmed by Your grace. And we don't understand how You you would love us. But Lord, we also say, we don't care because you love us and that's enough. Lord, help us here. Help everyone here to just bask in that. That you would sing over your creation. That you would love us and send your son for us. And Jesus, you would love us to come and die for us and rise for us, and intercede for us. Lord, help the saints today to feel this love, the assurance that nothing could ever separate us. No one can bring any charges. You, God, justify. God, for those who are here who do not know you, I pray they would cry out now for salvation. And Lord, this love that you have for us, you have for a multitude from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Help us to not keep this hidden under a jar or anywhere else, but help us to go everywhere and speak of your love in Christ. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.